Welcome to Politics Done Differently, a no-frills political podcast for the everyday voter, aiming to engage Australians in the political agenda. Hosted by Katarina Sullivan, businesswoman, award-winning sustainability expert, and political junkie. This episode of Politics Done Differently is brought to you by Strategic Sustainability Consultants, an Australian-based consultancy working with businesses, governments, and not-for-profits to assist them in becoming economically, socially, and environmentally sustainable. I am immensely excited about this episode of Politics Done Differently today because I am meeting with someone that I've known for a while in politics, uh, John Kerry, who is the state member for Perth, a member of the Labour Party, and has a couple of positions, so the Parliamentary Secretary to the Premier, who's also the Minister for Public Sector Management, State Development, Jobs and Trade, and Federal State Relations and also the Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister for Transport and Planning. Yes, that's right. Welcome. Thank you very much. Now, I have to tell you a bit of a story. When I first came up with this idea, I contacted my father, and as you know, he's a constituent of yours and has been both here and in City of Vincent when you were mayor. And I said, do you mind if I do a quick run through with you of what an interview episode would be like? And I said, you'd have to pretend to be a politician. Dad said, yep, that's fine. And the entire time, every question I asked, he said, well, I base my politics off John Kerry because I think he is an excellent politician. So, well, I'm, praise. Uh, I'm really <laughs> flattered and I'm glad one of my constituents is really happy with me. So that's very good. Yeah. And so I'd love to start. How did you get into politics? Uh, so... I mean, it's in two ways. I've always had a bent for politics because my father uh, had a strong interest in Labor politics. He wasn't involved in the Labor Party, but he was a working class man and fought in the Second World War. And so he ingrained for me from a very young age to have an interest in politics and current affairs. And I remember at 10 years old watching the federal election where Bob Hawke won or re-won. So um, I've always had that interest in politics, but I actually got involved by my local community where um, I was unhappy with a main street uh, that I felt had a lot of potential, but uh, was unloved and uncared for. So I set up a community organisation called the Beaufort Street Network that had residents and businesses in it. And from that really drove a sort of a, a ground up approach where we, sought to lobby, advocate, and transform the street ourselves. And that's where I got my first taste. Then wasn't happy with the, the response from council and decided to run for council myself. Yeah. And so you became mayor? Eventually. I came to councillor first, first for two years, yeah. and then the mayor at the time, Alana McTiernan, who went on to federal politics, yes. resigned. And so I became the mayor of Vincent. And I thought, I've got two choices. I can either just steady as she goes, accept the culture and the system, or alternatively, really try to change the council, make it more engaging, responsive, innovative, but ultimately to change people's expectations of what they think from government, from bureaucracy, from politicians. So I shook it up. Yeah. And what were some of the ways that you tried to change those expectations and ideas that people had? Well, first of all, I think one of the key things is often, particularly governments, local governments, bureaucracy, can find 
that new ideas or people offering new ideas are a threat. And I didn't take that approach. You know, uh, a good decision maker in my uh, belief will believe that they're not the smartest person in the room. So by that, they accept they're not an expert on everything. That in fact, there are lots of great ideas and expertise from lots of people in the community, business sector, non-for-profits. And so I was unashamedly looking at what was happening around the world, speaking to people in my community, engaging with them. Uh, and so basically my view was, look at, don't see new ideas as a threat from external people, but rather embrace it. And that's how you make an organisation powerful. And I think that's what we did at Vincent. In fact, we were able to turn it around from being rated second worst to being rated number one council in Western Australia by an independent firm, Catalyst. So I think you can do it, but you've got to change your way of thinking of how you do government and how you do politics. Yeah. And so what was the decision then from going from local government into state government? Well, look, I love local government and I love local politics. It, you know, the thing about local government and local politics is you can see change really quickly because you're dealing with a smaller area uh, and things immediate. But I realised that there were issues that I was passionate about that were beyond my borders. Uh, and particularly, um, I'm passionate about the city, the city of Perth. So being a member for Perth actually expound, expanded my boundaries to not just take in the city of Vincent, but to take into the city of Perth. But there are also those bigger state policy issues of urban planning, stopping the urban sprawl, public transport uh, planning, all those issues surrounding livability and the future of Perth, which was beyond just the city of Vincent. And there were many of the issues that I was passionate about at the city of Vincent, but realised went beyond the policy boundary of local government. Yeah. And now you're in the role of parliamentary secretary to the Premier, as well as the Minister for Transport and Planning. What does that actually involve for you outside of your electorate duties? Yeah, so my day-to-day -day basics are working on constituent issues, working on local community issues. I door knock every Saturday, except for the silly season. But uh, it helps me shape policy. So I'm given specific projects by the Premier, uh, but also for planning and transport, I've been given political oversight to assist with the uh, planning reform process mm -hmm. about how we can have a more modern uh, planning system that does deal with urban sprawl. So I suppose I'm not the minister, I'm not getting ahead of myself, but it does help me to influence and to shape uh, policy in those particular areas, which I really enjoy. Oh, good. And do you have a lot of constituents that you deal with in the whole of Western Australia, the whole electorate? Well, I do. I mean, there's two things. You've got your day-to-day -day, uh, constituents locally, but then as the polls said, particularly in planning, uh, I do meet a range of stakeholders from residents, uh, developers, property owners, uh, planning consultants, local governments. So there's a man and advocates, advocacy groups that are all, I suppose, wanting to see Perth a better place. Uh, they have very different views about that. And part of our job is to say, well, we do want a more livable Perth that's vibrant, dynamic, sustainable, uh, and how do we achieve that? And part of that is dealing with the density question. And it is one of the things that's not been dealt with well before uh, and is something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. Um, and of course, 
I've met with you about the sustainable development goals and there's 17 goals around development, including you know, education, healthcare, things that are very important. But one of the issues that isn't brought up in those 17 goals is overpopulation. And that's something that Perth will be facing in years to come. How do you see fighting that density issue and overpopulation? Well, for me, it's not about fighting density. What for me it is about, and I think it's been interesting recently flagged about having state uh, targets for population, which is quite fascinating. And certainly I think, you know, ironically, we have regional communities crying out for population. So I'm not an expert. But I do believe that we need to look at smarter policies that look at how do we encourage uh, greater density in regional centres, mm-hmm. which is what regional communities want. So that it actually can make those communities also more sustainable. Yeah. What do you see is the biggest issue facing Australia on a whole? Look, I do think it is that, you know, for me personally, I think climate change is a critical issue for Australia and something that uh, while the naysayers and conservatives deny, it is a stark reality that our temperature is changing as a result of, uh, of, uh, of humankind. And I do still think that the, the current uh, policy settings by the federal government, this federal government have failed and ignored it because of the conservative side. So I think uh, that is still a key policy challenge. And also uh, seeing it as a growth opportunity. I think that if we look at California and United States, where it was to be able to, well beyond, embrace uh, sustainable technologies and saw it as an opportunity for jobs. Uh, I think Australia is, while it is on a pathway with renewable energy, uh, I think there's so much exciting potential there. And I think it's still, for me, the big policy Uh, question and challenge for Australia is energy and climate change. Yes and speaking about federal government of course in your work as parliamentary secretary around federal state relations as well what kind of work do you do bridging that gap between those two levels of government in the country? Well I think you have seen movement uh, because of the GST I mean that has been the critical issue for our state is, is that we haven't had a GST share. And I think you saw that on both sides of politics, Federal and Labor, that they came to the party in relation to, uh, and we saw it through the Parliament. So uh, it is always going to be difficult because Western Australia has to fight because there is a bit of a Eastern state-centric focus in federal government policymaking just because the numbers of the Parliament. But I am proud that last year this state government was able to develop a great, and the Premier was able to deliver a greater GST share. Yeah. And I follow you religiously on Instagram. You're very active and uh, have a lot about the community. My one thing that I absolutely love about your Instagram is how much you focus on local business. What do you see local business role being in developing communities? Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's a couple of things. Small business is the engine room of the state economy. Uh, They're the biggest employer of people. And so they're critically important to the economy. But also what people fail to recognise is that independent and local and small business actually uh, create community because 
they bring something different and unique. When we travel around the world to great cities, we go to cities, part of the feel of a city, its unique streets, is because of the interesting small businesses that you come across. So for me, a fabric, a key fabric of, of our cafe and retail strips is those independent small business. And if we lose them, if we just have a monotony of franchises that can be found in shopping centres, then we actually lose the distinct identity of our, of our local and small communities. So I'm very passionate about it. It is one of the things that I deeply focus on and I'll continue. And we've got to support and cut red tape for small business. Yeah. Do you have a certain network that you have within the Perth electorate for small business? Or? No, look, there are existing hubs, but for me, I will use any opportunity, but I'll, you know, door knock, walk into a small business, have a chat. Yes, there are hubs and activities and I have shared working spaces and other areas that you know you can meet startups and small businesses. But my view is hitting the pavement and just walking into a shop and saying good day is a really good way. Yeah. And I think that's a really important part of re-engaging with the community, which is something that the podcast of Politics Done Differently really want to focus on. What do you see as some of the greatest challenges to engage with people? Well, I, th I think that a lot of people are feeling completely disenfranchised and cynical about politics. So uh, that's the first issue that we face. The second is narrow casting, where people now are only listening to their own views. So Facebook, social media, tailors news and information according to your existing interests. So you're not getting new information. Third, people are switching off or young people are switching off from some avenues, you know. I still read and I love reading the daily paper every day and I think it's important. That practice has declined among younger audiences. So as a politician, you have to think of how do I engage residents? And it's got to be a mix of everything. It has to be social media. But also, you know, I still door knock on a Saturday for four hours each Saturday because being at someone's door saying, hi, I'm John Kerry, I want to hear your views. It's old fashioned, maybe, but it's still a direct and great way to engage with people and give them the opportunity to have their say. Well, it is one of the things that my dad brought up when we did that practice interview about how active you are in the community and how you personally go door knocking. It's not necessarily volunteers or staff members, it's you at the people's door. I think that's important for them to be able to know that this is the person I need to come and see if there's an issue, this is the person that's going to fight for me in state government. Well, yeah, you want people to feel comfortable and accessible. I do other crazy stuff like <laughs> May the 4th and have a Star Wars Lego day and people come in. I have Christmas displays. Uh, I do other stuff that tries to say, actually... Because a lot of people don't engage politicians, are frightened to or never have. So they may have the wrong expectations or impressions. I think most politicians are hardworking, trying to do their best. I'm not going to agree with all their political views. <laughs> but... Um, you know, there are, so breaking down any of those barriers is actually really important. Yeah, and you mentioned the Star Wars Lego Day, and I think that's something that's really fantastic about you is that you open up the little quirks that are you as a person, not just a politician, so people know that there is a real human behind this political figure, because I think sometimes voters forget that. Yeah, look, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I am who I am. I'm an openly gay politician who owns two dogs, who likes Star Wars, who likes Lego. I think people know that about me and I'm not trying to pretend to be something yeah. that I'm, I'm not. I don't like to use spin or crafted lines. 
uh, I try to just keep it real. Uh, and in a world, you know, you're seeing some right-wing politicians, a la Donald Trump, I don't know what he stands for, but he appears to be authentic. So uh, there's this whole debate about what is authenticity. I just try to be direct, be upfront, this is who I am. Uh, and you know, the electorate might like it, they might not like it. Today, they seem to like it. Yeah. And of course, we've even seen some of your dance moves on social media. Yeah, really well. bad dance moves, and that was a hundred percent. But that was around New Year's Eve, so you give, it's only one time a year. Um, and you mentioned before about you know traveling the world and seeing what other places are doing. You recently went overseas, and I noticed on some of your social media posts you were talking about you. Know, we need to implement some of these things when in Perth when I get back. Do you? go out traveling with the intention to look for those things or do you try to have a holiday as well oh, look i can't help it i think for me politics is a 24 hour job every day so i every week and every month so for me um even and a lot of my trips will be work and holidays uh even though it's privately funded for the record but uh yes yeah, certainly for me um i am always looking at cities because i'm passionate about urban planning and i will see it i will take photos i'll note things down and i'll use it to advocate on instagram so yeah for me i am so passionate about it and so interested in it Perth has got so much potential and we're on a journey and I think we're on the right journey, but we've still got a long way to go. Yeah. And do you have a favourite moment since you've started in politics that you'd like to share with us? Maybe an achievement or a funny moment or something that really defined this is why I'm doing what I do? Yeah, look, one of the, the proudest things that I think I did was in the first year I organised the Perth City Summit. And I had three workshops across the city, first of all, that got hundreds of people at each one. And then the Perth City Summit had 350 delegates of residents, property owners, people passionate about our city. And I was pretty proud that in the first year, as a new young MP, off my own back with a group of volunteers, we were able to come up with the City Summit then, came up with ideas that now are being implemented and still being driven to, you know, a year and a half later, established Activate Perth to drive uh, occupancies in the high vacancy uh, buildings across the city. I'm really proud of that. And uh, it shows that you can still use that model of ground up participation, even when you're in government and get elected. And why do you think, of course you had so many people engaged in that summit, why do you think there are some people that still believe politics is boring and they don't want to be involved? Because what they see on TV, social media, or whatever, is because politicians also uh, deliver the worst expectations when we change prime ministers rapidly. Both Labor and Liberal have done that. When when there is uh, ridiculous uh, partisanship, when people see uh, just decisions being made that yeah, I I think that politicians continue to do things which reaffirm people's worst stereotypes. So we've got to lift our game. You know, all of us do. State, federal, we've got to lift our game. Uh, And we've got to find more meeting points. Uh, It is hard because there are some extremists and ideological views coming in more and more that make it harder to find that middle ground. But I think we've got to do that. And you spoke just then about partisanship. Uh, How do you think that we can overcome some of those party politics and some of those issues in politics in Australia to ensure we can just get on and get the work done? 
you know, I'm a bit more radical on this. I almost think we need more referendums and community-led uh, voting and engagement because then that forces, you know, while I didn't like the gay and lesbian postal vote mm-hmm. the way it was done, it did send a very clear signal to our decision makers about what Australia was thinking. So some conservatives then voted in accordance to their electorate's wishes. So mm-hmm. I think looking at how we can get, and technology is changing, how we can engage and inform more our community, and then that can inform us. Yes. I mean, I'm going to take values, and I'm not going to, for example, vote for the death penalty, because mm-hmm. people know that you know, I'm pretty clear on some of my values. And I, I make very clear when I go to my electorate, I talk about my values. Mm-hmm. I actually deliberately do it. So people know when they vote for me, that this is what I specifically stand for and how I'm going to act in the parliament. I am a progressive on these issues. Yeah. I will vote that way in the parliament and, for example, on, on, on matters of, of conscience. Mm-hmm. So if, for example, there was a referendum over something that you have a very strong view on and your constituents voted the opposite of what your views are, what would your decision then be? It's really difficult and... Uh, but I think I'm not in that hypothetical because, yeah. no disrespect, I am from a, a progressive electorate. I'm the city. It generally, you know, even the, my liberal voters here are socially progressive. So I don't think... I'm probably in a lucky position that I do reflect my constituency and I don't yeah. think I'll ever be in that, in that yeah. issue. Um, and this year, of course, is an election year in federal government. And what we're seeing is... You spoke about Donald Trump before. A lot of fake news and misinformation that's coming out. How can politicians ensure that the correct information is coming out to voters, both for the federal election and also just in general? Well, look, I think this is where I've... Again, I don't think... I, I think it's, the, it's having a strong, free press that ensures that's their job. Uh, and while I might not like everything they write, they are the one that, uh, uh, you know, I believe... We as politicians have responsibility to speak the truth and to yeah. tell the truth uh, and to speak uh, simply and matter of fact. But if we don't, then we have a strong free press that does that for us mm-hmm. and that can pick us apart. So while I know politicians don't like it, that's why we need a strong, ongoing free press that does that job. Yeah. And ha- what ways do you engage with the media? Well, look, I'm not a minister, so I generally don't deal with state media, but, you know, my local papers can pick up the phone any time and speak to me. So I've got an open-door policy. Again, I might not like the questions, but I will always seek to answer them. Yeah. Well, hopefully I'm not asking any tricky questions today. Oh, <laughs> they've been good thing. You know, the que- some of the questions you've asked have obviously, yeah, provoked thought for me. So, yeah, yeah it's good. Um, and... What's what are you most passionate about in your work? I'm guessing it's around door knocking and engaging with the community. Well, you know, community engagement it, for me it's a couple of things: changing my local community's expectations about what an elected politician is like, yeah. so that they feel comfortable, they feel that they can that that I they can access me any time. So I want to lift the standard in politics. But obviously on a policy front, I think it's pretty clear from this interview today that I am passionate about dealing with the critical issue of urban sprawl for Perth because we all pay for it. It's unsustainable. But, you know, as we sprawl, it's more in infrastructure, roads, water, energy, uh, public transport. 
It's not sustainable, the Im impact on environment, but also the livability for residents. So for me, that is a key policy issue that I'm focused on uh, and making my niche. Yeah. Oh. Our last interview was actually with Mayor Brad Pettit from the city of Fremantle and the exact same thing came up and I told the story of, you know, when I was young, we used to go to Mindari for holidays because it was a different city back then and I'm not that old. <laughs> so it has been a lot of sprawl. Yeah, and it's a key issue that Perth has to face. Yeah. Um, and what has there ever been a time for you where you thought that it's all too much Politics is really difficult and you just want out and... <laughs> look, there are... You, look, it would be a lie for me to say that I don't have doubts or that there are challenges or you feel exhausted or, or you meet negative energy or you get frustrated. That is probably in many professions. But ultimately, it's a deep honour to do this job. My father said, one day you're a rooster, the next day you're a feather duster. So the people put you in and they can quickly turn you out. It's an honour to this job. You've got to remember that. You should never have a sense of entitlement. Uh, because, yeah, it is a deep honour to represent, you know, 30,000 people in the State Parliament of Western Australia. Yeah. And where do you think you'll go from here? Is there... Premier no. in the future? <laughs> no, thank you. But no. Look, um, I, you know, I, I like many, I have aspirations to be a minister one day. I'd, I'd love to do planning. But, you know, my job is to, to be the best member of Perth. And again, you can't take anything for granted. You can never have any expectations. Politics is a funny game. Things change quickly. But you should, you, you should never have an expected route or a, uh, a particular pathway because I just find that in politics it, it changes too much. Yeah. So what would you be doing if you weren't in politics? Look, I think I'd probably be working in advocacy in some field. I was an environmental advocate for six years. I do want to see change in society. Um, but I might be running a small business. You know, I, I'm passionate about small business. I did run one for a couple of years in the party planning business, would you believe? Uh, or maybe I not do believe, believe that. Because <laughs> my parties. But, yeah, so, you know, could be running a small business. Yeah. And what were you doing? So you spoke about you know, running your small business. What else were you doing before you got into politics? I was an environmental advocate for six years on the Kimberley, in the Great Kimberley Marine Park. I've worked as a journalist in different uh, media outlets, um, ran a small business, parties and weddings uh, as a side business. So I've done varied things. Um, but, you know, the last part of the 10 years has been public service now. I was two years as the state member for Perth, uh, four years as the Mayor of Vincent, two years as a councillor and before that then an environmental advocate. So it has been a lot about public advocacy at the heart of my work. Yeah. And have you lived in Perth the whole time? or? Yeah, I have mostly, although I've done stints while I was younger in Germany, Melbourne uh, and six months, six months in DC. So I've done stints, but Perth is home. I love being the Member for Perth and I'm passionate about Perth's future. Yeah. I ain't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. I'm sure your constituents are very glad to hear that. Um, so with your travels, did you use some of that information from when you lived in countries around the world and around Australia to when you became councillor and mayor? And I think because I was younger at that stage, I didn't. Um, I think it's been from my trips and observations. But, you know, there's a thing called Google. Uh, <laughs> I... Um, you know, going overseas is very useful. I'm not as big a fan about 
big group MP trips. I, th I think that. But um, yeah, I think going overseas and seeing it and experience is certainly useful and informing because you, you see firsthand mm -hmm. how change can be made. And obviously you're very passionate about the environment as working for an environmental advocate for six years. What do you do in, I nearly said the city of Vincent because I'm still in that mindset. What do you do in the Perth electorate for environmental advocacy and change? Well, look, I mean, ironically, as the city district, I don't have urban bushland under threat. No. Uh, so all, all other environmental issues, but certainly, you know, bigger policy issues, plastics, recycling, waste, yes. I'm passionate about. And so I've certainly been advocating internally on those issues within government. And that's the thing that people don't see is that there's lots of stuff you do internally within your government, within a political party, about trying to shape and change policy. So I'm proud of what we've done today, moving forward with container deposit legislation, banning plastic bags. Uh, there's been some, you know, what we're doing in the Kimberley, there's some been really good initiatives that are continuing on some of the advocacy that I did when I was in the conservation movement. Yeah. And you said before about there's some things that you do in government that people don't see. Is there a way to get that out to the public, do you think? Not necessarily, and I don't think you always should. I mean, think sometimes not everything has to be a show and say, hey, I did this. And... Sometimes you influence policies in small ways that have a great outcome, but no one over here about it. That's yeah. part of the job, you know. Yeah, I've got to sell what I do because I want to be re-elected, let's be frank. But at the same time, there are going to be achievements and wins for constituents that no one else will know about. But it is the satisfaction of being able to help someone yeah. and get something across the line. Yeah, and of course, I'm sure if someone complains and says, you know, I'm not happy with this, you can always go back and say, actually, we've done this, and yeah. hopefully that... Yeah, there's always, I mean, I generally like to speak to everyone who emails my office because I like to have that, again, that one-on-one -on -one discussion, engagement, rather than an email which is, this is my view, and then they go, this is my view, and the two never engage. Yeah. And when you spoke before about um, being an advocate for reducing plastic and reducing waste, do you do that within the business community as well? Look, I think, well, again, because, you know, the way that ministerial government works, you know, I work at a local level. Yeah. So obviously I speak to businesses on a range of issues. But ultimately it's not my job, it's the Minister for Environment's job to advocate to the yeah. big stakeholders. So that is, you know, uh, Westminster system. So my job is, I focus, other than within the portfolio areas I work within a planning secretary, my job is to focus on the local constituency and community. Yeah. And what kind of incentives do you have for businesses and um, community groups to flourish in the Perth electorate? Well, you know, I did a lot of that as the City of Vincent Mayor, but I meet a lot of, of businesses, community groups that are just seeking advice, you yeah. know. Uh, and I've developed that experience being a mayor. I know how to navigate systems. I know what to look for, the risks and the challenges. So when someone's starting something new, I often am meeting them, giving them advice, here are the pathway forwards, here are potential networks, this is what I would do. And often people find that useful. I've set up multiple non-for-profits. Uh, I know how it is to start off with a small business. Uh, and so I, yeah, I share my experience and contacts and net networks and offer any direct assistance I can. And I find that I do have a, a line of people coming through that are doing startups or or beginning something and want yeah. help. 
I think that is a really important point about, you know, having the experience because sometimes that's one of my concerns personally and I know a few people share the same concerns of having politicians come into their position and not having had that experience of running a small business, running a not-for-profit, working in an organisation. Do you find that that helps you outside of just being able to advise people? Yeah, sure. It's that per- Absolutely. It's the personal experience uh, that obviously does, you know, and I don't, I haven't worked in the health system. So, you know, I take seriously, as again, a good politician recognises they're not the smartest person in the room. There is a lot of expertise, a lot of experience that I don't have. So I should listen attentively, find out. And also I'm not embarrassed ever saying, I don't know about that topic. Yeah. And then saying, I need to learn more. Yeah. You spoke before about engaging with the city of Vincent. What engagement do you still have with the local council and is that refreshing for you to be able to still deal with look i have a lot of engagement with my local councils uh, i speak to the mayor uh, semi-regularly uh, and we're both busy people but if there are issues facing us that cut across state and local government of course i'm going to engage so i engage with councillors staff uh the mayor Vincent community groups because that's that because we have a shared interest shared common area so yeah it is a really positive proactive relationship and the same with the city of Perth as well yeah and the final question that I ask all my guests is do you have a final message that you would like to share with the listeners about hope for politics in the country what they can do to engage and how we're going to create a more sustainable, more prosperous Australia in the future? Look, I am still optimistic about our future. And I think it is to say, I understand our listeners' deep concern and cynicism about politics. But one way we can make it better is not just to leave it to the politicians. I say to everyone listening, engage, get involved in some way. It doesn't necessarily mean joining a political party. It might be keeping elected officials accountable by emailing or phoning their office and wanting to talk to them about a particular issue. It might be involved in a local conservation group or another advocacy or non-for-profit and being involved that way. Uh, It may be organising a new project or uh, um, program in your community. It may be generating discussions with other people in your community. So I think that you've got to be engaged. We get the politics and government that we deserve. So we need an informed, engaged uh, citizenship. And that doesn't mean that everyone's member of all these parties and doing all this stuff, but ultimately it does mean that, uh, that our citizens are informed and understanding what's happening and holding politicians accountable. If you can do that, then that's a great start for democracy in Australia. Fantastic. John Kerry, thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm sure I will see you on my next trip to Perth. Pleasure. Real pleasure. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to Politics Done Differently. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to hear more, please go back through our library for more insightful interviews. Please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at PD Differently. If you want to get involved in the conversation, please hashtag PD differently. We look forward to seeing you next episode.